this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and enter offer code POETRY at checkout. A better web starts with your website. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 63. We're recording on Thursday, July 23rd, 2014. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of BookRiot.com. It's Fifty Shades of Trailer Day. It sure is. I'm all flustered. It's like not even 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I've watched the Fifty Shades of Grey trailer a couple of times. I've already gotten my hackles up about people's comments about it on Facebook and Twitter. I have so many feelings. I, it, it, I haven't read the book. Not going to. Um, haven't seen the trailer. Not going to watch it. Not my thing. But you're not even going to give it like three minutes of YouTube time. No, I just I'm very oh. very uncomfortable. I just not my thing. Um, but it's super interesting to see people's reaction to it. Like every time we write about Fifty Shades or mention it, there's always the uh, I'm real I'm really smart brigade that comes out. Yeah, there's the I've never read this book and I never will. So please congratulate me. Yeah, it's so bad, uh, and uh, th- this is the end of everything. Yeah, and I think nothing I will ever be pure again. Someone on Facebook this morning accused us of celebrating the quote downfall of literature. <laughs> Uh, which, well, you know, how do you ignore this? I think like that's kind of where we've always come out is mm-hmm. Fifty Shades of Grey was an undeniable phenomenon. The like the fact that we quote over and over was that in 2012, every single Random House employee got a $5,000 bonus right. because they sold so many copies <laughs> of Fifty Shades of Grey. There's no way that a book site can't talk about this giant book phenomenon that's now going to be a big movie. We have to talk about it. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so in the general sense from the people I've seen who have watched it uh, and are going at it with something like an open mind is that it does not look great. Right. I mean, is that what we're hearing? I mean, it looks about the way that I'd expected it to. Like, you don't expect a Fifty Shades of Grey trailer to look like a high art film. Sure. But it looks like there's high production value. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, a little bit ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of our contributors, Jessica Tripler, said it looks like it's going to be this generation's showgirls mm. uh, on Twitter, which uh, I do fall into the camp of people who find showgirls to be so terrible that it's delightful mm-hmm. uh, from the mid 90s. So, I mean, I'm going to go see this because I just have to know. Yeah. Uh, but I think it, if we could set like if you didn't know that this movie was based on a series of books that were simultaneously a huge phenomenon and also uh, decried as the downfall of literature. Mm-hmm. You might think like, oh, that just looks sort of ridiculous and maybe a little trashy. Like it might sort of be the equivalent of going to see Magic Mike or something, which I, I also see. did. I see what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> you know, like if if we didn't know the backstory. She just peeled back the veneer of like some moral, some <laughs> being in yeah, moral jeopardy. Would, right. It would look like a, a a sexy romance movie that's coming out on Valentine's Day. Gotcha. Which it is. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that, we'll have a link to the show notes there, though. Probably if you listen to this show, you have already seen it in a million, I mean, already on Twitter and all around the web. People are linking to it, so uh, it won't be breaking news there. Let's do our first sponsored Squarespace. It is. They're back. They're back. So for a free trial and a 10% off your order, go to squarespace.com and enter code POETRY at checkout. What is Squarespace? You've probably heard us talk about it before. What it is, is it makes making your own website, blog, online portfolio, portfolio, online store, really easy, but also really great looking. A lot of things that are hard about making a good looking website, Squarespace makes it easy. A couple of things they do. One, they have really nice pre-designed templates. So, you know, they've got your fonts picked out for you, got their colors and spacing and the, and the layout, all that stuff's laid out. It's all customizable, but you start out from a really good, solid foundation. 
Another thing that's hard, especially today, is making your site look good on a phone, on a tablet, on an 11-inch MacBook Air, on a 27-inch, um, you know, big desktop computer screen. And all of Squarespace templates are responsibly designed, which means they're built to look good and to rearrange themselves automatically depending on the screen size. So that's something that we fight with with our own site, we fought with before when you and I were doing our own blogs. Mm -hmm. um, but now that makes it really easy. Another thing that people are starting to do a lot more is have online stores and having you wanting to sell something through your website with a t-shirt or a hat or a mug or a ticket or whatever it might be. On every site on Squarespace comes with online store and e-commerce um, built right in. Plans start at eight bucks a month. And if you sign up for a year, you get your own domain name for free. They throw that in with you. 24-7 um, live chat customer support. Um, some of the best customer support um, on the internet, I would say. So that's squarespace.com. Go enter offer code POETRY at checkout and uh, get yourself a nice looking website. Thanks so much and for Squarespace for sponsoring the show. Yeah. If you do this, if you're starting a blog or a business for which you need a website or an online store because you make something cool and you use those, uh, the squarespace.com option and your offer code to save 10%, shoot us a link at podcast at bookriot.com or send it to us on Twitter so that we can see it and yes. give you a shout out. We love to see what uh, what listeners are up to. We've done that before and people are doing some good stuff with Squarespace. Yeah, I'm sort of in the beginning possible stages of a side project mm -hmm. with a friend. And if we do it, we're going to build it on Squarespace. Well, if you're going to do something online on your own site, and that you're going to d dedicate any time towards eight bucks a month is going to be well spent. Like you're going to save yourself so much time and, right. and hassle. Right, you want it to you want it to look good. Look good and make it easy on you. Okay, speaking of um, making it easy, well, I don't know. If this is easy. We've talked about Bitlet before. Bitlet's mm -hmm. a Canadian company, and their their kind of product. It's not really a product. It's more of a service. Is what they want to do is let you get discounted digital versions of paper books you've already um, bought. So the way it basically works right now is if they have um, an agreement with the publisher of a book you own, you take a picture of the title page. I can't remember. It's the title page or it's the um, the Library of Congress page right uh, behind it. Yeah, I think it's like the title page of the book with your signature on it. And you sign it. it as a way of so that it's not a million, you know, you can't just... Uh, uh, shoot a JPEG around all your friends and I'll get one. And then they will give you a code to go buy a discounted version of ebook, a few bucks, something like that. Up to this point, it's been interesting as a concept, but hasn't had a lot of major publisher support. There have been some titles and, you know, some things that if you're really into small and independent presses, especially, but for the vast majority of um, regular readers, you're not going to find a lot of your titles there. But our good friends, the digital pioneers over at HarperCollins. We um, should give them a special digital covered wagon or yeah, something. Yeah, or like a Viking ship or something like that. <laughs> um, so I th they, they're doing a pilot program. And I think it's a handful of titles. They didn't really say how many. Um, but it includes Neil Stevenson's Cryptonomicon, which I've never said that out loud before. So good job, me. Um, Gregory Maguire's Wicked. Yeah. Uh, and the other titles I don't really know. Uh, uh, they're promoting them through HarperCollins' Book Perk newsletter, which yes. comes out every day and shows you HarperCollins' books, uh, e-books that are on sale usually for $1.99 or $2.99. Mm -hmm. uh, they're also promoting it on hc.com and on the Bitlet website. This is, I think this is a move in the right direction. Yeah. Like, when we've talked about Bitlet in the past, we've talked about how it's the best of a bunch of suboptimal options. Um, and that's because publishers have not figured out this bundling thing. Right. Uh, they haven't figured out a smooth, seamless, low friction, happy way for readers to get an ebook edition when they buy a print edition. And there are a jillion reasons for why they haven't done that yet. And most of them are really boring. Um, but Bitlet found this workaround. Like I think we talked about it as a cool hack when mm -hmm. when Bitlet first rolled out. Like this is not this this like smoothest process in the world no, to get out not. your print edition and write your name on the title page and then take a picture of it and submit that to Bitlet <laughs> and then they give you an offer code that you then have to go and download the ebook. But that's the least like that's clunky, but it's the least clunky thing yet. Yeah. And it's the first one of these 
sort of less than perfect options that a major publisher has signed up for. Kind, so it's no a, surprise it's that like it's Harper It's Collins. a transit. No, not no surprise at all. In fact, it would have been surprised if it was anyone but HarperCollins to to try it out. It's kind of the way I think about the transitional technology, and maybe Bitlet will be part of the future that all of us who want real bundling want, which is you get the book and it comes with the ebook somehow, whether it's a code or a whatever mm-hmm. it, it is. Like I think of this as kind of like remember when like cell phones were a thing but they were so huge and they had no battery life like the Zach like Morris. Zach Morris. <laughs> yeah, but I think even worse than that. I think it's like when like my parents had like car phones that were just like hard mounted into the car and you could oh, only use it in the car. I remember that. Like it's better than not having any mobile telephone device but it's not great but it's not great like what you want is what we have now right mm-hmm. which are the, basically these handheld computers that happen to be able to make f- phone calls at the same time yeah it's so, magic in your pocket yeah bit bitlet is uh it's it's a car phone it's a car phone which right, is which, great since you, car phones are better than well, not like, but maybe it's a necessary step in the evolution or at least yeah. we've made it necessary since publishers haven't come on board, but I'm glad to see HarperCollins roll out with, you know, yet another experiment. They seem really open to doing mm-hmm. these types of things. And they were, of course, they were our heroes at the end of 2013 for rolling got forward. a good lead in on technology. 2014. I'm pretty sure they're going to hold on yeah, to it. <laughs> we are more than halfway through 2014 and no one is giving them a run for their money. Yeah, not uh, really. There yet. This led to some interesting conversations that I saw online and interesting commentary um, of publishing people wondering aloud uh, how many readers really would use bundling versus the number of readers who say that they want it. And it kind of, it pushed me to think about that too, because I, I want this to be a thing that exists, Mm -hmm. but I don't actually know how often I would switch between the print and digital editions of a thing. Like the Kindle whisper sync is available to me to switch between audiobooks and eBooks. And I've never tried it because my I have this feeling, which, you know, is a great way to make decisions. Um, (laughs) I have this feeling that my brain likes to think about, like one of the ways that I can read multiple books at once is that I'm reading something digitally and something else in print and something else is a comic and they're different genres. And so it keeps me from crossing the streams as it were. Mm -hmm. So I, I wonder about how that, how seamless or not that experience would be for me personally as a reader. Um, so I want this to exist because I think people Hmm. would use it. Um, because like the music industry has figured this out that usually if you, if you buy a physical copy of a CD online, you get some sort of digital download Well, you can just rip them too. I mean, that's the thing about CDs. Right. That's true. You can just rip them. Um, But more what I see is the, like the Blu-ray DVD digital combo packs. Like that's mm -hmm. the premium thing. Like, um, I can't remember whatever the most recent Blu-ray I bought, but you get a Blu-ray that you can play on your big TV. You get a DVD you can play elsewhere, and then you get a digital copy, which you go sign in through iTunes or whatever yeah. digital service you use, and it makes it available there, so you can use it as you will. I, I think you're right. I think there is. it's not a surefire home run that this is the future, but I would say at least from the audio to Kindle version for auto, for WhisperSync, like... I, don't you think that reading on your e-reader versus e-reading on your print book is a much more – there's a less disjunction between listening and reading. Like it's way different to read an audiobook than to read something, mm-hmm. um, whereas reading on your iPad versus reading it in paper – it's pretty much the same. Yeah, experience. that's not a big transition. Yeah, I think it's just that my uh, it helps me separate which yeah. books I'm reading if I read them in different formats. But I do think the experience is pretty similar. Um, if I'm not a. I need to hold a book in my hands and feel the paper and take a deep whiff of that book smell mm-hmm. kind of person. Right. Um, I read more digitally now than I read in print. I think you do too, or you read like almost all yeah, digitally. Yeah, so all maybe digital the, now. <laughs> we're maybe not the best sample well, except for that. it, but I find the experience to be, I, I like, I want the book to go in my brain as quickly and efficiently as possible. And um, I have found reading digitally does that for me. I think, though, um, especially as subscription services, um, are, they look like they're going to remain backlist for the foreseeable future in the Netflix vein, which is you're not going to get new releases or really it's going to be a while before they're available for you know a couple mm-hmm. years, really, yeah. for streaming. Like I almost think the premium 
hardback package where you get like, so the equivalent would be you get the hardback, you get a digital copy and an audio book, mm-hmm. but you pay like 35 bucks for it. Yeah. And I, I think this is a thing for a subset of hardcore readers that we do hear from all the time. Yeah. Who say, well, who's who listening say, to like, this show? Right. And you yeah. say like people tell us on Book Riot and on Twitter and I'm sure in our like our personal Twitter streams also that they if they're not sure they're going to like a thing, they buy the cheap ebook first. Mm-hmm. And then if they do love the book, they go buy the hardcover and put mm-hmm. it on their shelves. And that might be a small percentage of readers, but it's I would guess it's a case where a small percentage of readers are buying a large percentage mm-hmm. of the books that are bought in well, any year. And so you you maybe want to make those people happy and you want you to give them a way to get both this at once. before that maybe you don't do it for every single book but you do it for i don't know the new david mitchell mm-hmm. right the hardcover is 35 bucks but it comes with an audio and a digital version and the people who want it in hardcover you charge them more and you get more money mm-hmm. out of them, but or, you also give them sort of a premium package, also good for gift giving. Yeah, or really long books. Like yeah. uh, we talked, I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago, you mentioned that Michelle is starting the Hillary Clinton yes. Hard Choices audiobook, and mm-hmm. it's like 700 hours 30 long. hours. Um, if you could, you know, I think that's a case where I might bounce between the audio mm-hmm and a digital edition just to read it faster. Because you're not getting rid of your book cases anytime soon, right? Like I'm, Me? Yeah, I'm not either. Like I'm keeping the hard... Yeah, yeah, right. I have, you know, like I'm not getting rid of the shelf of Toni Morrison and the shelf mm-hmm. of James Salter, but I keep many fewer books right. than I kept in the past. Like when I finish reading something that I am reading in print, unless it's unless it's going to become a favorite, yeah. it goes away. It doesn't stay in my house. But I if there's I'm, a new Toni Morrison tomorrow and there's a $35 premium version, you and I are buying that. Right. I'm putting the hardcover on my shelf and right. I'm reading the ebook. Yeah. So maybe as, as people are buying fewer print books, give them more reason to buy the, the title. Mm-hmm. You know, I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of creative ways of thinking about it. That's not to say that I know what the right, right. answer is. Be, and yeah. I don't even know that there is one right answer. Like there's I a wanna, lot of ways to do this. I want to hear from listeners yeah. about this. Is is ebook print book bundling a thing that you want to exist like we do because it just seems like a thing that should exist mm-hmm. and it would be great and awesome? Or do you think you actually would uh, move between reading the same title in print and ebook? Or have you done that before when you've just right. hacked it together? yourself um have you moved back and forth let us know podcast at bookriot.com we'll take a very biased sample Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's better than no sample at all yes well is it speaking of (laughs) speaking of biased samples um oh boy harper collins our friends this comes to us by way of book riot listener melissa ward by the way oh yes thank you melissa to me with a like please drag this into methodology corner (laughs) so thanks melissa so avon books which is an imprint of harper collins um they had a author seminar at the romance writer of america national convention rwa um so it's only for authors published by Avon and affiliate imprints, blah, 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 blah. They did a survey there, right? Yes. They surveyed engaged genre enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was intended to be a deep dive of the reading habits of engaged genre enthusiasts. It was taken in May at the RT Book Lovers Convention, which is Romantic Times is RT. And that's the sort of readers convention that accompanies the Romance Writers of America Writers Convention. Mm-hmm. They roll them together. So, so they polled about 100 people who mm-hmm. were attending a romance convention yeah, on one I mean, day in May in New Orleans. I don't know, like, so it's not unlike a kind of poll we do on our site in so far as they ask similar questions. How much time do you spend reading? How many books per year? So on and so forth. Um, this very small sample size and even a harder core readership then would read and respond to a, a book riot oh, survey. Yeah. You're attending a book Convention, convention yeah. that's a harder core reader step than reading a book-focused website. So um, we're going to ring this particular cake with caveats, but here are the results. Um, more than 116 books per year on average. Mm-hmm. Um, 38% of people surveyed confirmed reading more than 100 romance books per year. 
as opposed to the typical reader, which I don't know where that this comes from, the typical <laughs> reader, spends two and a half hours a week reading the typical rom- romance reader. But again, typical super reader at this conference, spend 10 hours a week. Out of a sample of 100. 100. Um, half of them spend more time than that. The main reason for reading romance is escapism. I want to know if that's from a list of possible yes, reasons that you choose, or is it, tell us why you read romance. Mm-hmm. Um, 94% read romance to help them relax, escape from the daily grind. Uh, in comparison, only 66% of women who participate in previous HarperCollins consumer insight surveys conducted across a wider scale of not whoa. Uh, Only 60% of these other unwashed mass of survey respondents. Cite your sources, son. Actually, only 66%. Is, that's a weird use of only. Yeah, I mean, it's is. like, it's less, but it's not, it's not and like it's a, 10%. And it's easily a majority. Yeah. Um, it's, and then it says it's not about mindless escapism. 72% of those surveyed looked for romance books that challenge them to think in comparison to 48% reported in a previous survey. But which previous what? survey and how are these questions mm-hmm. worded? Then it declares that physical books are here to stay. Because tw- wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, I know. This is wait. great. Here's the declaration because 24% feel which is, as we mm-hmm. you know, agreed earlier in the show, a great way to make conclusions about things, that romance ebooks will never take the place of physical books, which is super interesting because it was romance readers that led the way to the, like, to, of the digital revolution. It was romance readers that first mm-hmm. uh, bought into mm-hmm. ebooks and more people buy romance in ebook, I think, than almost any other genre or than any other genre. And then it says different things for different people. 43% of people disagree with this statement. That's such a that weird, biased way of like, phrasing what? that. Um, let's see. What else? We don't need to go through all of these. Um, <laughs> I thought is- this was good. 65% like to have every book written by a favorite romance author. I'd be curious to know what that is in sort of the general book riot mm. population. Like, if- You know, I think it probably has to do with the fact that many romances are in series also. Um so yeah, but like, like, like I want to read everything that Toni Morrison writes. Um, but do, I how, like do you to have, have favorite authors that you haven't read or aren't planning on reading everything by? Like that seems like a weird definition to me. Mm. Like, I don't know. Almost I mean, by I, definition, the authors I want to read everything of are my favorite authors. I love John Irving, but I still have a few outstanding mm-hmm. novels but to finish. Would you Where, like, like to read them? Because this says would, like to have right, every book. Yeah, not I would. Do. Yeah, it's I want I just want to see how this was written mm-hmm. or how they asked the questions like going back up if the question was worded like do you agree with this statement ebooks will never take the place of physical books or if it was it more open do you mm-hmm. think that ebooks will ever take the place of physical books like that that wording alone makes a difference. I want to know how this was worded, but I'm thinking about like Sarah McLean, who's my favorite romance writer who is published by Avon. I've talked about her on the show before. Like I want to have every book that she's written, but it's linked into the fact that the stories are connected to each other. And so if I want to know what happens after the end of the book cliffhanger, I have to read the next one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Super readers want to build a relationship with favorite authors. 90% regularly visit authors' websites for updates and information. And 84% subscribe to newsletters and social media updates from favorite authors. You know that that's skewed by this survey being conducted with people who are attending a book convention to meet these same authors. I mean, I don't, I mean, I guess there's, I don't know what I would do with this information um, if I were like in the romance business. It's kind of like, pulling people in line for donuts, whether or not they like donuts. And it seems like this was like the survey was conducted and intended for use by authors. Authors, Yeah. The romance authors who were attending the RWA convention were supposed to take this information and do something with it. I mean, I guess if I were an author and I didn't have my own website and I see 90% regularly visit author websites, I'd be like, crap. I better, right. get, I better get my Squarespace website. <laughs> right. Like some of that, some of this could be really 
useful. Mm -hmm. And you could read the response about 72% of those surveyed looked for romance books that challenged them to think. And if you're a writer, you could take that and, you know, work on not just writing good sex scenes, but having your characters be smart and interesting and doing something different or unexpected. And a couple of things we don't know, and maybe people who know romance better, and please, if you do know, I know some of you are really good um, romance readers and know a lot about how romance publishing works, but like, do you want to cater to the super readers in romance or do you like, do you want, are they representative of the larger pool of romance readers, their taste, or they, are they more, are they exceptional in some way? Mm -hmm. Or is it like what we were talking about in the previous segment where you want to cater to these people because they're a small percentage who does right a small percentage of the audience who are responsible for a high percentage of the sales, Mm -hmm. Um, which I suspect, I think, this is not terrible because it's a bad, it's a badly conducted survey. Yeah. But the information, even if the information is incorrect, could still be useful to these writers. Like I wouldn't base, I wouldn't base major life or career decisions on the data from a survey of 100 people who attended a genre convention on a particular day in May. God, in you're, New so, Orleans. you're so conservative. <laughs> Jeez, live a little. I don't know. I prefer to base my major career decisions on things like how many episodes of The West Wing I watched last well, night. Well, let's. I mean, there. That's just smart. That's just good internetting. Um, <laughs> all right. So we'll link the show notes there if you want to mine any more data. If we've said anything avoidably barbaric about romance, please, please correct us because um, we want to get that right as much as we can. All right. What's Man, next? I don't, I don't want to be a romance baddie. I love romance. Yeah, I, um, I think it's interesting to... Oh, man. Harper Lee. Okay. <laughs> we, well, can we, we do that. this in like 30 seconds? Yeah, we can. I think this is just a quick follow-up. Yeah, it really should be at the top of the show. Yeah. Last week, we talked about um, Marja Mill's book, The Mockingbird Next Door, uh, which is a biography of Harper Lee based on the time that Mills spent living near Harper Lee in Alabama and befriending her and her sisters, and which last week Harper Lee uh, stated was not authorized. Uh, And, you know, we did some ethical squirming about Mm -hmm. would we read this book and should this book be out there and what are the journalistic problems with with doing things this way and there's a piece on Gawker uh, this week by uh, Michelle Dean who uh, is a great writer who pays attention to publishing and you know does smart analysis of things and she uh, looks at not just what's going on with the mockingbird next door but also the recent history of other legal battles in which Harper Lee has been embroiled, which we've covered on the show. And she sort of asks, how unauthorized is this book? Mm -hmm. Um, Did Harper Lee really not give her permission for it? Um, Or are the statements that are being made now really being driven by Harper Lee's uh, legal representation? Did they not like that this book um, is out there? And so they're saying that she didn't agree to it. Um, It's, it still makes me feel gross, but perhaps less gross than I felt about it last week. You can read this nice long piece for yeah, yourself. Yeah, and read letters between lawyers back and forth. Like, <laughs> yeah, nothing it's... clarifies the situation like le- reading legal correspondence between <laughs> con- contesting parties. I mean, that's what I do to yeah, relax. Yeah, right. Um, so it sounds at one point it sounds like Mills maybe got some kind of authorization from Harper Lee's sister, and then it was rescinded, and then another party on Harper Lee's side got involved and. Lee herself, as we've talked about a little bit before, has been not confirmed, but the the strong rumors have been she's been in um, considerable physical and mental decline for some years. So who knows? Anything that's signed Harper Lee right now, I mean, who knows? Um, someone could have power of attorney, and yes, technically there are speaking on behalf of Harper Lee, but it's not actually you, you get the you get the mm-hmm. sense of word. So I don't know if this makes me feel better about the war book worse about the book or just more confused i think it just makes me feel more confused yeah i feel more confused i don't i I don't love the whole situation right i feel better about this piece than i feel about the vulture piece um by boris kochka which was called the decline of harper lee which is the saddest headline ever yeah um 
I'm curious. I don't know. There was the Dwight Garner piece. Like this whole thing is just leading to things that make me sad about the internet. Like yeah. uh, Dwight Garner is the New York Times is is a New York Times book reviewer, and when he reviewed it, he spent a lot of time feeling angsty about the fact that Harper Lee likes to go have coffee at McDonald's in the morning and sometimes eat salads from Burger King for lunch, and he declared that these things were sad. Um, which. <laughs> Who is he? Uh, yeah, like, okay, whatever, man. Who among us has not enjoyed a, a cup of McDonald's coffee at some point early in the just morning? Just go back to bagging on Fifty Shades, Dwight. Just, <laughs> just keep it all in your circle. Um. <laughs> anyway, so we thought we should follow so, up and say there was yeah. There's we'll more the complication. Link. If you're we'll hoping for clarity, you're notes. not going to get it. If you do read The Mockingbird next door and you wish to drop your data upon us from mm-hmm. it please feel free to do so. Um, Let's not talk about Amazon either. I'm flying by the seat of my pants here. <laughs> There's another new proposal to authors uh, donating uh, stuff to charity and telling authors like, to shut up just, about it. And At this point, we're just extending the news cycle so there's stories to write about Amazon and Hachette until there's really a story to write about Amazon and Hachette, which will be that they reach some kind of conclusion or agreement on something. But until they do, it's just going to be like every week there will be some new micro drama, latest fire, latest shot fired. Um, I guess there's another follow up in Lepucky. Yeah. Lepucky who um, had her book, California recommended um, by Colbert as part of his uh, sticking it to Amazon um, campaign appeared on Colbert and she paid it forward with a recommendation of her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and the recommendation there was Sweetness Number no. Nine by Stefan Clark, yes. um, which is about something I don't know anything about. It's Do about you know? a, uh, it's 1973, and this guy lands a job as a flavorist in training, uh, which is working in like a, one of the chemistry departments that creates flavorings for food, like, you know, for soda and the butter on your popcorn. I'm reading this from the Amazon synopsis, by mm-hmm. the way, which is its own <laughs> special kind of irony. <laughs> uh, and while he's testing this new sweetener, which is called sweetness number nine, he notices that it has side effects in the lab rats and monkeys, including anxiety, obesity, mutism, and a generalized dissatisfaction with life. So we've got lab rats with existential problems. Uh, he tries to blow the whistle, but doesn't. And then some years later, the sweetener is America's most popular sweetener. And this guy's family is changing. His wife is gaining weight. His son, his son has stopped using verbs. <laughs> and his daughters su- or his daughter suffers from a generalized dissatisfaction with life. Is sweetness number nine to blame along with his failure to stop it? Or are these just symptoms of the American condition? <laughs> God, it's always got to be a symptom of the American condition. Every time, check, check number Everything's C. a symptom of the American right, condition. Right, right, it is. Um, uh, so that's cool. I mean, like... Banding together, yeah. we like that. Yeah, and there, it's. Uh, I think it was Sherman Alexie recommended Eden LePucky's novel California when he was on Colbert. Man, this is and like epic log rolling. Like this is. is some. Re- and they part. <laughs> I wonder how long this pay it forwardness is going to have yeah. to continue. Like, um, so then you couldn't pre-order California from Amazon. So people were encouraged to pre-order it from Powell's, which is a large, awesome indie bookstore. And they pre-ordered it in such droves from Powell's and from other indie bookstores that she was a bestseller. 10,000 uh, copies at Powell's. She signed right. them all too. It took her three days. And so Sweetness Number 9 is in a similar uh, position. It's also a Hachette book. You cannot pre-order it on Amazon, uh, but you can... Uh, pre-order it from Powell's or from any other indie bookstore. And so I think they're probably looking to replicate mm-hmm. uh, to replicate that solution and to continue showing Amazon that readers will buy Hachette books um, when they want them, whether Amazon carries them or not. It'll be interesting to follow this and see if it's as big of a deal um, as the, you know, the first bump was for California. Also, I suspect that Hachette knew that Eden LePucky was going to go on Colbert and do this because today is Thursday. She was on Colbert on Tuesday night and it was in the news yesterday morning and yesterday afternoon Sweetness Number 9 showed up on my door. What? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, mm. conspiracies of book publishing. Cosmic I mean, tumblers of promotion. <laughs> right. Smart conspiracies. But I just have a hard time believing that was an accident. Yeah, I I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Which is fine. I would love it if I felt like more book publicity was not an accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
All right, let's see. So that's enough there. Where, what else are we doing here? Where, who are who, Oh, man, Booker long list. You know, I think you and I are, are probably the least interested book people in this crap, right? In like the, what the actually man wins Booker awards? Long list? Yeah, I'm. I, what I'm interested in about it is that this was the first year that the Man Booker Prize, which has uh, yes. traditionally been in the UK, British right? Commonwealth, right? It was opened up for 2014. Um, any book written in English mm-hmm. uh, could be nominated and selected for the long list. So that opens up a ton of possibilities. Like a bunch of dirty yanks. <laughs> uh, a bunch. There were 13 books uh, that made the long list. Four of them are by Americans. Uh, that's interesting. But the more interesting piece is that no Canadians. Most, uh, no. most four by Americans, six by Britons, two Irish writers, and one Australian. Mm-hmm. And they're all mostly dudes. dudes. Still, three like, ladies. They opened up the entire English language, yeah. and you can only come up with three out of thirteen by women in 2014. Well, um, it just goes to show that dudes are better writers all over the globe, Rebecca. I mean, that's what this clearly proves, and we should and all just shut up about especially, it. Oh, Jeff, yeah, right? for sure. We're awesome. We rock. <laughs> um, let's see. I, there's a lot I haven't heard of on here, but notable names. Um, to Rise Again, A Decent Hour, Josh Ferris, one of the inks. Which I read and loved. Yeah. Good job, Josh Ferris. But um, The we are we are all completely beside ourselves. We're sort of a Brooklyn, New Yorker hit. Mm-hmm. Karen um, Joy Fowler by Karen Joy Fowler. Let's see. The Blazing World by Siri Hufstead. Is that uh, Hustvet? Hustvet. 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 That's, a, that's is, a tough yeah. name. Uh, but that's also, you know, been buzzy. There's the Bone Clocks. Mm-hmm. Orfeo by Richard Powers. I remember seeing, you know, buzz yeah. by that. Yeah. How to Be Both by Ali Smith. Um, the she's Dog always, by Joseph O'Neill, who's Irish, but I think he lives in America. Mm, um, Us by David Nichols. Yeah, and then some names we we don't really know. Mm-hmm. I, or at least I'm, I don't really know. I'm sad that Boy Snow Bird by Helen Oyeyemi is not on this list. You know, um, I've got you know, no, I can't care. I know that the like the knee-jerk response that you're supposed to have on the internet to any list is, this list is wrong, and what about this thing that I loved? Uh, but a, a list of 13 great books that only includes three by women is wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> one person of color, right? Right. Just Neil uh, Mukherjee for The Lives mm-hmm. of Others from Chato and Windus. Right. That's also wrong. Chato and Windus also sounds like a publisher in the Harry Potter world. Chato <laughs> and Windus. Anyway, um, so you can check that out list. Uh, I can't. I can't. Yeah, I think we will remain uninterested in yeah. the, like reading all the books by. My hackles are all down about this. I got <laughs> my no elevation in my hackles. My hackles are all down. Yeah. Show title. Yeah, right. <laughs> Um, but that's a thing that happened this week that's worth knowing about. Yeah. Um, Some so, people get into it, like, and good on you. I just, I just can't get that excited about it, really. Yeah. All right, let's do a sponsor. A, our next sponsor, uh, Random House Audiobooks, is back this week. Uh, if you need motivation for your workout, if you're doing a craft project, like currently I am making a book fairy costume for LeakyCon, mm-hmm. uh, if you commute, if you walk your dog, if you have to wash your dishes or do chores around your house, if you like to watch sports with the sound off, uh, you can make all of that time into reading time with audiobooks. And you can make much more time into reading time Mm -hmm. uh, with audiobooks. We both really love to read with audio or to listen. I don't know. People get all mad when we say that listening to audiobooks is the same as reading. But a book is a book, man. Um, Random House Audiobooks has built tryaudiobooks.com to help you find audiobooks to match the different tasks that you're going to be doing or the trips you're going to be taking. You know, family road trip with the two kids in the back of the SUV is a different beast uh, than the you know casual jaunt to the beach with just your partner. Uh, and you probably want a different experience on audiobook for those things. Um, so you can get recommendations at tryaudiobooks.com. They have a recommender where you put in how many hours you need to occupy and it spits out recommendations of audiobooks that are that fit that time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, they match up different activities with different audiobooks. You can get free a free audiobook at tryaudiobooks.com. Check out bestsellers. Uh, you know, add a new fresh perspective to the same things that to the routine things that you do Mm -hmm. every day. Um, 
Uh, Mich- I just think it's great. Michelle was saying um, when she was listening to last week's show that uh, at the gym, it's good because mm-hmm. it'll she'll uh, she'll do do a little bit more on the treadmill or the elliptical if she's got to finish the chapter. Oh yeah, I walk. I'll take my dog for an extra lap around the block um, if if I'm trying to finish a chapter for something. Um, I was looking at my recent audiobook listens, and just out of a weird coincidence. Uh, none of the ones I've listened to really recently have been Random House audio, but I was thinking about things that are big that we're talking about right now. And one of those is the um, the Margaret Atwood Mad Adam trilogy, which wrapped mm-hmm. up last year. It wrapped up last year with the book Mad Adam. The first two were Oryx and Crate and The Year of the Flood. Uh, and now it's being made into an HBO series, which is That's very right. exciting. Yes. But I have heard that this is excellent on audio. I've heard that as well. And so I think if I were going to pick out a new Random House audiobook to start with right now, that's probably where I would go. It's speculative fiction, what happens after a big mm-hmm. disaster hits America and they're like little sects of uh, of people and bad scientists. And they're calling it cli-fi, climate uh, fiction. Oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard or that like before. climate-focused science fiction. I don't know. <laughs> Margaret Atwood rejects the term science fiction, so I guess it would be client, climate-focused speculative fiction. That, you know, that really just rolls off the tongue. I think we should go with that. <laughs> let's stick with cli-fi. <laughs> let's stick with that. <laughs> it's really good. The books are really good. I love them. Uh, lots of people love them, so you don't have to take my word for it. But the, uh, the audiobooks are supposed to be great as well. I think that's where I would roll. That sounds pretty good. Um, should we, it's been a, it's been a light week for new books. Mm-hmm. So we thought rather than do a whole section on new books, we just talk about some of the things we were reading and into uh-huh. right now. Oh, before we do new books and we wrap the show, oh. though, we should also, we should talk about our cool thing of the week, Oh, which is the yes. temporary literary tattoos. So uh, litographs, I yeah. guess is how you say it. Um, mm-hmm. They're a cool bookish company that makes book related things. They've done some cool things where it's like the whole text of a book on a poster that, that turns, that, that becomes the shape of something from that book. Um, so they did a Kickstarter or I guess they're doing one right now. Right. They launched it yesterday. They launched it yesterday and it's, um, literary temporary tattoos. And the hook is that they want to have 2,500 people all wear a or put put a piece of Alice in Wonderland as a temporary tattoo at the same time mm-hmm. for a human tattoo chain that will spell out a whole book. And that's part of the Kickstarter. There are some other pieces you can get different kinds of literary tattoos that you yeah, can like use this, temporarily. Right. So it's it's funding their new temporary tattoo line that are tattoos designed around you know great lines from literature. So there's like there's one from uh, Peter Pan with mm-hmm. a drawing of Peter Pan that says second start of the right and straight until morning. There's brevity is the soul of wit, uh, in a nice little font. Yeah. Uh, there's a good Jane Austen one in the shape of a book. I declare after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. Uh, and so if you fund the Kickstarter, you'll be contributing to them at, you'll be contributing to litographs, being able to start adding this to their product line. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of the first 2,500 backers, you'll also get, a unique temporary tattoo, as Jeff was saying, with a um, line from Alice in Wonderland. And you'll put that on somewhere and you'll take a picture and you'll send it to them. And then they'll put all of them together and it'll be Alice in Wonderland told on the bodies of 2,500 people. That's pretty sweet. I think this is it's awesome. It's pretty great. Um, their funding goal was 7500 bucks, And two days into it, they're already at 33577 <laughs> So heck of a job. Yeah, good job. That's a heck of a deal. Um, and you can go... Do it, go fund it right now if you'd like to. Mm-hmm. So I was just looking at the backer levels. For 30 bucks, you can get all 15 of the literary tattoos. Um, for 15 bucks, you can get six tattoos of your choice. And to get in, it's the minimum to get one tattoo is three bucks. So it's a pretty mm-hmm. low bar to, yeah, to try one bucks, of these suckers out. You get a Litographs t shirt and one of the Alec phrases. Or Alice phrases. Alice phrases. So the T-shirts are pretty sweet too. Like if you haven't, if you have not fallen down the late night impulse mm-hmm. shopping hole of literary swag, Litographs is a good place to do it. Yeah, there's a couple good ones. I like the, um, I like the, uh, uh, what what is this? Um, 
it's Peter Pan, second star mm-hmm. to the right and straight on until morning with like yeah, a little image I like, of There's a Ulysses one. Yes, I said yes, I will. Yes, that's pretty. Um, Treasure Island, Dead Men Don't Bite. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Hamlet, Brevity is the Soul of Wit one. Yeah, I like that too. one too. There's a Les Mis one. Uh, these are pretty cool. We, um, a bunch of us at Book Riot have actual literary tattoos. And then a bunch of us don't don't want to commit to permanent mm-hmm. ink. So this is a great option if you love the notion of a literary tattoo, but for whatever reason, you don't want one that will last forever. All right. Well, that's pretty cool. Let's talk about new, well, recommended books. Light reading, or light new books, as I said before. Um, I'm going to mention one that I'm into, or I'm going to be into at some point, and it is called, oh, I just lost it, uh, Words for Pictures, The Art and Business of Writing Comics and Graphic Novels by Brian Michael Bendis, who is one of my favorite comic book writers. He's done stints on For the Avengers and Ultimate Spider-Man and All New X-Men and more. Um, Getting into comics a little bit again, and this one is brand new, and I don't know much about the business and the production of comics, especially. I've learned a little bit more about publishing, um, but that's one I'm super interested in. And I can dovetail that into something I've been making my way through, which is um, Marvel, The Untold Story, Mm. which is a history of Marvel comics going all the way back to the 40s. Um, through the present day. It's a beast. It's a, it's a 19-hour audiobook cool. is what I'm yeah, working on. Yeah, I have on. it sitting on my desk. I'm looking at it right now, and it does, it does not look short. And uh, it is not for the casual comics fan. Like, it's about, you know, it's, it's all kinds of inside baseball and fights between Stan Lee um, and Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko. These are all guys who created or co-created, like, Fantastic Four and Thor and Spider-Man and the X-Men and on and on and on. Um, so it's a pretty interesting, you can use it as a proxy for the history of comics as we know them in America as well, but it's it's super interesting if you're a, a Marvel comics fan and you want to know all of the minutiae back and forth. Um, but that's more of a, that's like a, that's like a three layer deep down, um, <laughs> for, for people who are interested in stuff about comics, maybe one layer deep down, I think of something you're reading for the first time right now. Did you, have you started understanding comics? I, already? Yeah, I'm about halfway through it. Um, understanding comics by Scott McCloud, which was written in the mid nineties, mm-hmm. I think, but is fantastic. Um, our, our good friend Paul Montgomery recommended it to me cause I've just started reading comics in the last year and I want to, I wanted to understand more about the medium and what that's all about. It's fascinating. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. He does sort of the history of comics. He breaks out a thorough definition of comics and what makes something a comic versus not a comic. Um, how broad the definition of comics can be. And then there's a chapter about like how time functions in comics and what the reader does, filling in the gaps between the things that are presented in different comics panels. Um, I'm finding it's really fantastic for. Well, like the title promises, understanding comics, but also for having a vocabulary uh, to discuss them and sound like I kind of know what I'm talking about, um, which is all I want right now is to get to a point where I can, you know, sound reasonably competent discussing the comics that I'm enjoying <laughs> rather than... Uh, it was so I just, good! Right, I just really it. like this, yeah. which, you know, that's valid and fun too, and uh, that leads to one of my recommendations for this week. Um, you and I both are into Saga, which is a great comic by Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. And the 21st issue came out yesterday. Um, I meant to read it last night, but I was up late staring at Google Analytics because we were having like a milestone moment on Book Riot. So I haven't read it yet, but the first 20 issues were all fantastic. And so I am certain that the 21st will be as well. I'm going to go do that when we're done talking. Um, but my other big recommendation for the summer that I think um, falls into what you would call a Swiss Army recommendation, mm-hmm. like just about anyone could enjoy it, is An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by oh, Colonel... Oh, I want to read that. Yeah. It's so good, Jeff. Uh, it's by Colonel Chris Hadfield. He is a Canadian astronaut who uh, at different times has worked uh, in Russia. He was the, I think, operations director or the equivalent, I don't remember the exact title, of the International Space Station. So he's gone up in space a couple of times. Um, The book is great. It's about uh, how training to be an astronaut shaped the way that he approaches life and family and work. Uh, And the space stuff is 
you know, fascinating because it's a thing that very few of us will ever get to experience. But I actually thought that the out, the on the ground, on Earth, not in space uh, stuff was the most interesting. He talks about how uh, if you're going to enjoy your career as an astronaut, you have to enjoy all of the non-glamorous, nitty gritty, little detail, hard work pieces because very few people who train as astronauts ever actually go into space. And even if you Mm. do, you spend such a small percentage of your career as an astronaut in space uh, that if you just live for those moments, uh, you won't really be satisfied with your career. Like you can't just Mm. work out the glamour muscles. You have to do the hard work um, on all of the things, even, you know, the boring, unexciting things. Um, And he talks about how he thinks about being a member of a collaborative team that's trying to solve problems or complete a mission um when he he knew he wanted to be an astronaut when he was nine and so he started but he also knew that that was a slim chance you know because it's not easy to become an astronaut so this is how precocious he was he just decided that he would start making all of his choices under the headline of like what would an astronaut do so it's like for your snack you can have veggies or you can make a milkshake and he would be like well what would an astronaut do an astronaut would eat their vegetables. An Mm -hmm. astronaut would take the extra math class, even though they got no credit for Mm. it, just for the sake of learning. So he, he built his whole life and career towards this goal, but also made sure that he enjoyed and felt invested in every step along the way. So that like you enjoy taking the math class for its own good, even if you never become an astronaut, you get something out of that. Uh Um, For the, I mean, (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe you and I are weird in how much we like to think about work and the way that we work. (laughs) Um, But I thought it was fascinating. And there's interesting stuff about how do you have a marriage and three kids when one of you travels all the time and is in space some of the time. Uh, It's smart. He's funny. Bad Uh, cell reception in space, I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, but you can Skype from space. Yeah, that's true. That's interesting. Uh, That sounds great. Yeah, he read the, I listened to it on audio and Hadfield reads it himself and has a very charming Canadian accent and a very charming Canadian self-deprecating Uh, Mm. sense of humor. I really loved it. Well, those are great. So those are the picks that we're reading right now. I think that's our show this week. Uh, As always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Reading Ape. She's at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. You did it! You can find show notes for this podcast and others where we link to all the stories we talked about and the books we talked about and so on and so forth. Bookwrite.com slash podcast. If you'd like to give us some feedback, um, or you have a suggestion or something else that you know that we don't, um, or a compliment. We take those as well. We never turn those away. You can write us an email, podcast at bookriot.com. We're on iTunes if you want to leave us a review there. Uh, we launched a thing this week that we didn't talk about on the show. Oh, we did. Um, let's talk about it next week. We're at the end. Do you think okay. people, do people listen to this part? I don't know. Do people listen to this? Let's start at the top of the show next week because they, they'll, they'll definitely listen to that. Um, we'd like to talk... Uh, excuse me, we'd like to thank our sponsors, squarespace.com and Random House Audiobooks at tryaudiobooks.com. And we'll talk to you all next week. Have a good one. Bye.